I love worshiping together, don't you? Yes. I really do. I mean, so many different dynamics. I learned a long time ago in church. The Holy Spirit is so incredible moving among us, meeting every need. And we got to know we're, we're eclectic. We've got all different kind of desires and thoughts and traditions. And we can leave the same service. And one would say, that's probably one of the best services I've been in a long time. And they'll give a reason for it. The person next to them didn't even realize that happened in that service. But it's another part of the service. Our temperaments are different. Some of us love it when it's wide open and the shouting's going on. And we believe in shouting. Can I hear an amen? amen. But we also have those temperaments that said, yeah, but for me, it's really when it's that small, still voice. It just kind of helps me collect my thoughts and get my act back together. And we're also appreciative for that, aren't we? This morning, we've been reminded, among other things, about the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, and having communion that's ongoing. <clears throat> well, another thing happens around the table as we sit down with the master, and that's conversation. And that's really where I felt directed to go today, is the conversations that happen not only around that table, but in life. Around that table, once the eating has either begun or if you have a special guest there and you're kind of getting, okay, that person's here, we've already acknowledged it, and now we can kind of just relax and it's just real, whether it's your family, whether it's your best friends, whether it's someone you haven't seen in a while. Before long, you forget all the pleasantries, and you just get into real life. And in that real life, then you start talking about what's closest to your heart. The Bible teaches us that. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, around those kind of conversations, then all of a sudden you find out what a person's really thinking about and what's important to them. And when we do that, we do something we call bragging. And we brag about certain things. We boast about certain things. How many has ever bragged about something? The rest of you get honest this morning and raise your hand. Because it's a part of life. Bragging doesn't mean it's wrong. That's why I did that little simple exercise. And so when you think about what we brag about, some of us brag about our kids. Some of us brag about our grandchildren. How many of you have been around a grandparent that's gone five minutes too long without bragging about the grandchildren? Okay, they didn't walk on water in the bathtub, okay? But they should have. Sometimes we brag about our accomplishments. And again, sometimes it's very fitting. Sometimes it's like, but you brag all the time about you and what you do. And then sometimes we brag about possessions. Maybe it's because it's something that we've desired to have for a long time, and all of a sudden it's there in the garage, or it's in the house, or it's going on somewhere else. And then sometimes we brag about our IQ. And we just want everybody to know in the room we're smarter than everybody else in the room. Collectively. So the bragging goes on, the bragging goes on. Uh, some of you 
might relate to this. Some of us brag about our <clears throat> dashing good looks. And we can't even sit at the table without. <laughs> and we're saying we want to get you in the picture, but we're kind of really focusing that selfie on moi. And I really think that's where Paul is writing. Is you're getting ready to turn to Galatians chapter 6. Because Paul, yeah, sometimes we see him as just being this cutthroat kind of guy and just no nonsense. But that's really not the case. He's just dealing with real life. And he's talking about his, himself. And he said, you know, I've... I'm paraphrasing, but it's, it's obvious. He has bragged about who he was taught by and who now he has uh, mentored in life, his accomplishments. He would write later on and say, I now count all those things as just refuse, just loss. But here, writing, and, and this is a letter written to Multiple churches, not just a single church. It's the churches in a region. And he's, he, he, he's trying to really get these messages across. It's, Galatians is just chock full of things. And this is when he comes back and he said, But for me, I have learned to boast only in the cross of Christ. He then says, I have been crucified to this world and the world's been crucified to me. What an incredible statement. And we think, I don't know if I can attain this one. That one's pretty lofty. Would you stand with me as we read God's word together? Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to read simply just verses 9 and 10. Galatians chapter 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. If we do not give up, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to just the people we like. Oh, excuse me. To just our family. I'm sorry. To everyone. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. Again, Holy Spirit, thank you. Speak to our hearts, let the word come alive, and let it be transformational. Help us in our human experiences to realize that we can be led of the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. As you're being seated, turn to at least two and say, I'm glad you're here. I uh, noticed that here, you know, somebody probably thinking, well, he just talked about the cross. It wasn't there, but you, you got to know it's the context, and you'll find that in verse 14. We just read 9 and 10. What we have to understand, there's something here that I don't know about you in a devotional time. At, for me, in, in going over this passage that I have read so many times in life, something new been there all along, but something new for me jumped out. 
And maybe it's just because I started reading not from verse 1, but from verse 9. But at the beginning of this sentence, you have a conjunction, the word and. And I don't know, it just starts speaking to me. And, you know, we know grammatically in writing it's, it's appropriate at times to use the word and, this conjunction to start a sentence because it's going to initiate a new thought. However, sometimes it is used to be a continuation of something going on. And yet other times this word and is to add something. So it isn't necessarily a continuation always, but it needs to be addressed as well because it's, it's in the context of what you're talking about. And then it's also used to connect words and phrases together. And really, it is so appropriate in this subject matter that all of us live and all of, we, all of us desire to do better, but we're challenged by it. Again, coming back and saying, and let us not grow weary in doing good. Sometimes we don't do so well in that department. But before we get there, I think that to understand this conjunction, why is it there? Because again, if you had read the previous statements to these churches, and we can add ourselves to that because it's a living document still speaking today. How many believes that? And so if, if, if he was just writing to us today, it would be no different. And what he's already talked about is the fruit of the Spirit. He's also talked about reinstating someone, reconciling somebody, restoring them. And then he's also talked to us about bearing one another's burdens. And again, you can't escape that word burden, because when you talk about burden, I mean, you already feel the heaviness of that word in itself. And then you realize that it must truly be burdensome for somebody if it's calling on you to come alongside of them and help them with whatever they're dealing with. It's, so it's such a heavy burden that that person now has been stopped in whatever they were doing. They can't progress any further. They, they've been eliminated. They've been disqualified. Something's going on, and it's calling on us to come along and, and pick them up and to help them, not to take it from them, but to bear it with them. Boy, what a message in that. We really struggle with that, especially in our culture. So this is where I'm going to give the title for this is having a counter-culture character. In different ways, we preach this here. We, and, of course, the Word of God addresses that we're in a culture, a world culture, and yet we are to live a separated life, even though we're in, immersed in this culture. And the only way to do that is to have a mindset that's counter to the culture that we're living in. To the children of God, this is the ongoing message. We are in this world, but not part of this world. And we hear songs, and we read poems and sonnets about this to continue to remind us of all these truths. And so here we once again 
are talking about fruit of the Spirit. And if we're doing a, a word study and we're just dealing with the fruit of the Spirit and we get to where we memorize the, uh, what's listed there and, you know, and just keep it isolated from everything else, it's like, well, that's pretty cool. I like talking about this. And then we step out of the room and we get in our vehicle and we go back to work or we get back to life and it's like it doesn't connect. And yet it's speaking to us that there has to be an and in life, a conjunction that causes us to continue in this even though we're going back to life. We're no longer just in the Bible study, in the prayer group. We are now doing life and we must bear fruit of the Spirit. And we are to restore someone and we're to bear the burdens of others and and after a while, it's like, you know, that's, there's a lot added to that and. I wish that and wasn't there. I, I wish this conjunction would, would just disappear and we can just say, on Mondays, I'm going to have fruit of the Spirit. And on Tuesdays, I'll restore anybody that's kind of fallen down over the weekend. I couldn't get them to a Monday, but I got you penciled in on Tuesday. And... No, I'm going to take the day off Wednesday. Thursday, <laughs> I'll bear burdens of others. And I didn't even get to, we're going to reap what we sow. Boy, that's a lot of stuff. This and that's there, it's too overwhelming. And that's why we have to keep it in context. And this is why Paul said, Therefore, I don't boast in anything but the cross of Christ. Because that cross is the one thing that reminds me that I am crucified to this world. And the world is crucified to me. Without that cross, we forget. Without that cross, we lose our bearings. Without that cross, we get overwhelmed with ands. It is only that cross that helps us to be empowered to actually pull it off. To where I can be reminded as I'm going through an event that I do want to bear fruit, not of my flesh, but of spirit. That I am to bear the burden of someone else as the opportunity affords itself. Knowing that all along I'm going to reap whatever I'm sowing in the moment. Again, those disconnect thoughts, if that and wasn't there, we would say, well, I can't be held accountable on Sunday of what I did last Thursday. However, the and is speaking to us. And all the days of the week are connected. How am I going to do this? And so he comes with this wording. He says, do not grow weary in well-doing. What, what are we weary of? Of what? It's doing good. It's being righteous. Don't you get tired of being good sometimes? Don't you just want to fuss at somebody and take the right side of their head off at times? I mean, sometimes don't you just want to go out in the backyard and 
tell that tree off and have a picture of somebody else's face on that tree. Don't you just sometimes say, no, I don't need no tree. I just want to knock their lights out. We do grow weary. I mean, this is a good word. We do become frustrated. We do become aggravated. We do become tired. Especially someone that we've been good to multiple times. We're just like, how many more times do I have to be good to you? And then we have certain adjectives that comes to mind. I mean, this is... This is this is real living here. It isn't some lofty wording. Just be nice to everybody. Isn't that right, Sarah? Can I have an amen? You hear the wind blowing. There's a draft in this building somewhere. Those of you that are visiting, if I know you personally, I'll abuse you from the pulpit as well. <laughs> Don't grow weary in doing this. How do I do that? How do I do that? And, and, and uh, uh, being honest evaluation, a lot of times my weariness comes out of my unrealistic expectations. It's not on them near as much as it's on me. They ought to be smarter by now than they are, but it's obvious they're not. My expectations were incorrect. What I really love about this passage as well is we're so used to our analytical concepts in this Western culture that we like to have, especially preachers, to have a three-point, a seven-point, a something. If you'll do this, 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 go therapy, do this, 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 you'll fix it. The scriptures didn't come out right behind, don't grow weary in well-doing, by blah, 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 blah. It just says, don't let it happen, and leaves it with us. Wow. There's responsibility with that. Critical thought has to get involved in this. Critical heart has to get involved in this. Don't grow weary. Don't let it happen. In other words, I need the Holy Spirit to speak to me. Not just what he did for my dad, for my mother, for my best friend, the, the guy down the street, and I start doing all the comparisons. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. So in some situations, what it's saying to us is obvious. Pace yourself. For others, it's like, you need to just push past your emotions right now because you know it's the right thing to do. Scriptures bear out that to those that know to do good and don't do it, the same is sin. So there's the sin of omission, not a sin of commission, a sin of omission. I knew I should have done good, but I got weary and I didn't finish the task. They just ticked me off, to be honest with you. And the Bible tells us then what happens, it comes back on us. We lose our reward. What a powerful word. 
Don't let it happen. Don't let it, well, how, how do I not let it happen? If we go back to Paul, I've learned to boast in nothing but that cross. You see, it is a theme. It is something that you and I can embrace. As a quick motto for Grace Life Church, you know, we've got it down to three words now. No, grow, show. We are to grow in grace. This not growing weary and doing well, I don't believe happens just like that for anybody. It's relationship with him. God is good. And he rubs off on us the more we hang around him. You ever notice that? We become who we hang around. You find someone, they're just quiet and meek and kind, and you put them in this group before long, they're just as obnoxious as the group. <laughs> you find others that's been troubled in life and challenged in life, and maybe they haven't had mentors that are healthy. And we understand that in church life, don't we? We believe in reconciling. We believe in fellowshipping. We believe in bearing one another's burden. So we bring them along. I, one of my favorite moments in my mind is when we went to Arizona and pastoring a very small work and uh, doing the state youth work for the Church of God at the same time. And the, the first convert we had uh, was a man, 55 years of age, young man, by the way. And uh, yeah, just a thought. And, and he had just got saved before we got there. And shortly after that, a um, storm came through, and, and the fence blew down at the parsonage. He came over, and he's out there laying the masonry block now, out there in that desert. And uh, he smashed his hand, and he cussed, man, wow. You know, and then he saw me, he said, oh, I don't think I'm supposed to do that anymore. <laughs> so... So you had to know that to know that now another year into the experience, maybe a maybe year and a half, we're in a Bible study, and there was a pretty good number, maybe 40, 50 people in this room. And uh, uh, again, it's not Bible Belt, and, and that church, our growth was, was uh, not church transfers. It was, it was uh, you know, people actually coming to Christ for the first time. It's wonderful to watch these people be discipled and grow. That means... There was, a, there was a culture there of you can grow here instead of you're expected to know this by now. And so one night I was teaching and uh, the guy was using a curse word in a positive way <laughs> as, a, as a theme come out of scripture. He said, blank, yes, that's really blank good. And the man I shared with him first, he, I, without him I say anything, he just nudged me and said, I don't think we're supposed to use those words anymore. <laughs> and I loved that moment. That's the kind of church I want to be. There was grace in that moment of instruction and guidance without, you idiot, the preacher's standing here. And so we're back to this truth. That we become who we hang around. I, I, can I? We sing about it. I give you Jesus. Can we just hang out with Jesus for a while? Let him rub off on us? Again, I've shared many times. And again, I don't mean it in any kind of spiteful way. It's just reality. I grew up in a wonderful Christian home. However, in that mix, what I heard, at least my interpretation, was this, there's performance Christianity. 
And you do this and you get this. And you get this and you're awarded that and rewarded and on and on and on. And then if you have qualified for a while and you take two steps backward, we all know it. Sometimes we forget the grace. This is why he's writing this way. Don't get weary. If you need to go to time out for a minute, do it. And come back and finish the task. Just don't grow weary in doing good. Somebody needs to do it. And we have opportunities. So get the job done. But if you have to take a step back for a moment, or if you need to, to get on your electrical device there, digital device and read a text of scripture, whatever you do. Just don't grow weary. If you need to push through it, fine. For Paul, he said, this is what I do. I focus on that cross. It reminds me that, and it's not my cross, and that's where we get confused as well. I get weary and dragging my big cross around, and yeah, I'm to take my cross and follow him, but it's the cross of Christ. That in that distinct moment of history, everything collided. And in that moment, it was all finished, sealed, done. And because of that cross, I was crucified to this world. I don't have to let the culture of the world dictate what's going to come out of my mouth. Oh, come on, somebody. I can live a counter Culture life that creates a character of its own, that sanctifies me, that sets me apart, that makes me different. Let your light so shine. I love that word, so. Can I say it again? So. Can I say it again? Good. So, 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 so. Let your light so shine. That word is so big, it comes off the page, doesn't it? I mean, what it's saying is, let your light shine in such a way it just blows people away. Let your, and again, not drawing attention to you. Let your light so shine before men they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, in that moment, man, they're thinking, if I was in that moment, I would have done this, this, and this. And that person did not. They took it. How did they take it? Or in that moment, I would have shrunk back. I, I would have been coward. And that person stood up. You see, that's the work of the cross. But he reminds us as well. Don't grow weary for in due season. You see, again, in this present culture, everything's timed. We live by the watches and the clocks and the calendars. But there's a due season. It may not be winter. It may not be spring. It may be things that we can't identify in the natural scheme of things, but there's a due season. There's a season that belongs to God. There's a season uh, that's there for his people. There's a season that speaks to us by spirit that when we're in the midst and we think, man, I really want to lash out, but we're taken back to that cross of Christ. He paid the price I don't have to act out. And I don't know when, but there's a due season. And if I won't grow weary, if I won't stop, if I just keep believing 
if I just keep trusting, am I, am I preaching to anybody today? Have you ever been in situations that you just say, you know what, I don't know what else to do, I'm just going to stand? The Bible says when you've known to do everything else you know to do, and you're going through all your Sunday school lessons and all your Bible studies and all your reads, and it's like, I don't know what to do. There's not a seven-point success rate here that I'm supposed to read and be reminded of. But if I'll just stand upon his promises in due season, I'll, re I'll be rewarded. That good will come out of everything. To those who love God, called according to his purposes. Again, it's replete through scripture. Endure to the end. And it came to pass. They that wait upon the Lord shall. And the one I think of quite often in moments like this where I'm getting weary is just keep on casting your bread upon the water. Is this speaking to anybody today? In the moment of the present culture and you're casting, okay, I'm really going to be a good boy today and I'm going not to render evil for evil. I'm going to say a good word to this person that just cussed me. Wait for it. And you're really proud of the moment that you're actually able to pull this off. And as you do it, you don't get an immediate response. What do you do? I mean, we've all been there, haven't we? What we can't forget is sometimes the timing of this culture seems to be so out of time. They should have rewarded me for being nice to them instead of cussing them back. If they'd only known how hard it was for me to do that. They should have bragged on me. But I got nothing. Matter of fact, they cussed me again. What we can't forget is sometimes when we're casting that in the present, the tide's going out. But if I'll keep on casting, that tide's going to come back again. In due season. That's where we miss it a lot of times. That's where a lot of rewards are lost. It's because, again, okay, action, reaction. And we think, again, the kingdom of God operates on the same clock that the world ticks to and abides by and lives by. No. Due season. Due season. If I, if I endure to the end. When's the end? I don't know. He didn't give us that. Just endure. And here's the, a, a tough one. They that wait upon the Lord. How many of you like to wait? It's not in our DNA. That, I'm telling you, and I'm being as honest as I can be and sincere as I can be. That's supernatural. It causes us to push past the natural and just wait. The natural says, I want it now. The supernatural says, Wait. The natural says, but you don't know what I know. The supernatural says, I know more than you. The natural says, but I'm due. The supernatural says, but there's a due season. God, help me. How do I keep it together? Oh, that's right. I'm back to the cross. Back to the cross. Would you stand with me today?